Let us pray. God, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. So when I was in uh, college, I worked a couple of summers in uh, the canneries in my hometown. I grew up in Lodi, Central Valley of California. And down in the Central Valley, they grow a lot of fruit and vegetables. They grow things like tomatoes and peaches and pears and apricots. And a lot of that gets canned. And so one year school got out, I went home and I got a job at a cannery, graveyard shift. That means the first day I show up for work, I am already really tired. I go to the supervisor's, I'll say hut, and I'm given a hairnet, I'm given an apron, I'm given some earplugs. And then the supervisor takes me out into the plant. And canneries, there's a lot of machinery, there's a lot of conveyor belts, there's a lot of pallets, there's a lot of forklifts, a lot of water gets used, so everything's kind of wet, or in some cases very wet and it's really loud. So supervisor takes me to this conveyor belt that in my memory is like three feet, four feet wide. It's moving a lot of fruit along. And there's some, there's some other workers, there's some women who I later learned were seasonal workers. They were there year after year after summer after summer. Um, and then the supervisor starts to talk to me, telling me, I think what I'm supposed to do. Really loud, earplugs, I don't read lips and then pointed at a spot and turned and left. This is my job for the next eight hours. I look and I see these women, there's peaches going down this conveyor belt. They've been peeled, they've been halved, they've been, uh, the, the pit's been taken out. There's just peaches, peach, and they're, they're doing something. And you know, I wanna be a good team player. I don't wanna look like dead weight. So I'm not kidding. I start moving my hands around. I have no idea what I'm doing. I start moving my hands around, but mostly I'm just looking back like, where did they go? Are they coming back? And what am I supposed to do for the next eight hours? See, I imagine that's what the disciples are feeling in this story that we heard from Acts chapter one. It makes perfect sense to me that they are looking up into heaven. Where did he go? Is he coming back? What are we supposed to do? Thursday was Ascension Day, right? 40 days after Easter, we're told that Christ ascended into heaven, that he was lifted up. Now, we don't have church on Thursday, so we're reading this text uh, today. These disciples who were looking up into the heavens, these are the same disciples that had been with Jesus from the start. They'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him feed crowds. They'd seen him forgive people that everyone else just called flat-out sinners. Um, they'd heard him tell stories about the kind of life that God intended for people to live on earth as in heaven, and they had started to believe him. They started to believe what he said. They started to believe that he had the capacity to change things, to change them, to change the world. And then Good Friday happened, and when Jesus was crucified, they started to realize, you know, if something is, seems too good to be true, it, it probably is. And then Easter Sunday happened. Christ is raised from the dead. Now everything really is possible. And in Acts chapter 1, we're told that for the next 40 days, Jesus taught them from the scriptures. The risen Christ commissioned them to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then as they were watching... He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of sight. 
And that is the precise moment when this ancient story becomes our story. Because like them, the human Jesus is not with us anymore, not in the way that he was in the gospel stories of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Like those first followers, we've been left behind. And there's still sometimes we find ourselves looking up to heaven, wondering, what now? And especially in a week like this. There was already enough bad news out there. And then on Tuesday afternoon, like many of you, I expect, I got a notification on my phone. There had been a shooting in Texas. And for all the talk of a new normal, that felt a lot like the old normal. And then a few minutes later, another notification, shooting at a school. Not again. And then a few minutes later, another notification, an elementary school. 19 kids, children in a classroom, and two of their teachers, and shock and anger, helplessness, frustration, cynicism, deep grief. I mean, 2,000 miles away, deep grief. I, 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 I could hardly let myself imagine the grief that those parents felt and are still going to feel for a long time. And we find ourselves looking up. I found myself looking up wondering, what happened to that promise of peace on earth? What about that vision of the beloved community? And what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do in a country where, at the federal level at least, it doesn't seem like anything is going to ever change about gun policy? And after Sandy Hook, I mean, surely that was enough to, to, move, to move things. And then after Parkland, well, now, now really, what else could be needed? But after this one, I might be wrong, but I don't think anything's going to change. This is the story that we are part of still. Maybe especially in week like, weeks like this, it's important for us to hear it. Although, if I'm honest, this was going to be an easier sermon to preach, and probably an easier sermon to believe before Tuesday happened. So we're told two men... And white robes asked these friends, these disciples of Jesus, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. Now, it's interesting. The writer of Acts is the same person who wrote the gospel of Luke. And the author tells the story in both of those books of the Bible. And at the end of Luke, the author writes that Jesus was carried up into heaven and the disciples returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I've been wondering about that. I mean, they had known the human Jesus. They'd also encountered the risen Christ. Um, they probably imagined that he was coming back sooner than later, maybe three days. I mean, you know, Good Friday to Easter, that's a good pattern, maybe 40 days, maybe even 40 years. Now it's been 2,000 years. If we want to see Jesus, it's no use looking up. It's better to look around, to look around at each other, to look around at the people in our lives, to look around the world, because that's where we're most likely to see Jesus. Not the way that he used to be, not the way that the disciples knew him, but in a new way. Not in his body, but in the body, bodies of his people. 
Jesus went to heaven to finish what he'd begun on earth. The ascended Lord was no longer anywhere on earth so that he could be everywhere instead. Before Jesus ascended, he told his followers to wait uh, for the gift of the Spirit. We're going to celebrate that story next week uh, on Pentecost Sunday. They were told to wait for the Spirit who would be present with them, present with us, always, everywhere. And with the strength and the wisdom of that Spirit, the church was and is called to embody the mercy and the justice and the compassion and the love of Jesus. And that's what happens in the book of Acts. You know, this is from chapter one. If you read through the rest of it, it's remarkable to see what happens. These followers of Jesus, who at times have been timid and cowed, now become brave leaders. These, these listeners, they'd heard his stories. They often blurted out the wrong things. They now become bold preachers. These disciples, who, who often seem overwhelmed by it all, begin to do things that people had never seen anyone but Jesus do. I like the way that Barbara Brown Taylor uh, describes what happens at the Ascension. She's a fantastic preacher, by the way. But she writes, um, it was almost as if Jesus had not ascended, but exploded, so that all the holiness that was once concentrated in him alone flew everywhere, flew far and wide, so that the seeds of heaven were sown in all the fields of the earth. The seeds of heaven sown in all the fields of the earth. Rather than look up, better to look around. Look around and trust that the spirit, the spirit that was present at creation, the spirit that Jesus promised, that that spirit is working to make the world and all who dwell therein whole and holy again. Look around. So that first night that I was working at the cannery, that supervisor never did return. And so I finally stopped looking back. And I started looking around at, at the other workers on this line, these other women. And, um, and I noticed that they were picking up some peaches, seemed kind of random to me, and they were putting them in this trough. And uh, as I watched, one of the women pointed at a peach, and I picked it up and she nodded, and I put it in the trough, and she smiled. Apparently, we were sorting peaches. Now I knew. The peaches that kept running down that cannery, uh, kept running down that conveyor belt, those were the ones that were going to be canned, the kind of peaches you buy at Fred Meyer or Safeway, you know, sliced peaches in, in fruit, in, in light syrup. The other ones were pie peaches. They were going to be put into pie uh, mixes. So now, I knew what I was looking for. I was looking for blemished peaches. Although the truth be told, there were some pretty fine gradations and I never quite figured out exactly which ones. And all the while, I'm trying to figure this out. I mean, dozens, hundreds, tons of peaches are going by. Do you remember that in the original I Love Lucy? That episode? Yeah, see, you're all thinking about it, aren't you? She's, if you had never seen it, she's working at a candy, uh, candy factory and she's supposed to be putting the chocolates into the boxes. But they're going by way too fast. And so she starts to stuff them in her mouth. And she stuffs them in her pocket. And then she stuffs them down her shirt. That crossed my mind many times. And I thought, that is not going to work here. <laughs> I, I somehow survived. But rather than look up, rather than look back, better to look around. 
Look around at each other. Look around at the people in our lives, at the world, and trust that the Spirit is working in and around and among and through us. So I was thinking this week about how it is that we look around, how we see what is around us. And it occurred to me that um, on my phone, there's a camera. There's a lot of settings. I suspect if you have a phone like this, you have a lot of settings on your phone too. And two that I use sometimes are the portrait setting and the panorama setting. The portrait setting, of course, focuses pretty tightly on particular people, and then it kind of blurs out everything else. The panorama setting captures everything that you can see. So if you're out hiking or backpacking um, with, on panorama setting, you can capture an entire range of mountains. I think that's two ways for us to look around. First, to look around on portrait setting. Look around for particular people in your lives. People who show you what love looks like. People who persist in being kind and compassionate. People who insist on doing what's right. People who hold on to hope, even when everything seems to be running in the wrong direction. I bet that all of us, even if you're not sure you really believe this stuff, I bet that all of us have people like that in our lives. People who are courageous and patient, who are faithful, who are prayerful, who have seems like deeper reservoirs of grace and understanding. People who figured out how to tap into joy. Who are those people in your life? People in whom, in whom the seeds of heaven have borne the fruit of the spirit here on earth. We need those people in our lives to encourage us and inspire us and challenge us and guide us. So look around on portrait setting. But it's not just up to us to make the kingdom come. So it's important that we also look around uh, with that wide angle vision that sees everything because we trust that the seeds of heaven have been sown in all the fields of the earth. Now, truthfully, some days it's hard to look around and have to see everything. And Tuesday was one of those days. I, I found very quickly, I did not want to follow the news anymore. It, it had become unbearable. Most other days, it can be discouraging enough. But we have to look around because we're the ones who've been sent to bear witness to the love and the care and the mercy and the justice and the healing power of God. We're called to bear witness to the ends of the earth. So look around on panorama setting. Look around this city, around this state, around this country, around the world. Look to see where the spirit is working. Where are refugees? Where are homeless people finding safe places to call home? Where are there openings for changing systems so that people are treated more equitably? Where are people coming to, together to do the kind of stuff that Jesus was doing? Look around to see what you can do. And has an opportunity unexpectedly presented itself? Is there anything that generates fresh energy, new urgency? Is there something you can't not do? After Tuesday, we can't not do anything about gun safety. I've pretty much given up on the federal government. I hope I'm wrong. But in Oregon, there is an effort, a group called Lift Every Voice Oregon, and we've talked about it here before, is gathering signatures for an initiative petition. It's Initiative Petition 17, 
called the Reduction of Gun Violence Act. The point of it is to make ammo less lethal. Not gonna solve it all, but it would be a step. Um, after, this, after the service, Barry, where's Barry? Barry has been kind of our point person with uh, Lift Every Voice Oregon. He's gonna be in the back with petitions that you can sign. You have to be a registered voter in Oregon. If you have any questions, you can talk to Barry as well. If you sign before, don't sign again. It's kind of illegal. So make sure you only sign, only sign once. You can also donate to Lift Every Voice Oregon because it's getting to the point where they're gonna to have to hire some petition uh, signature gatherers. Okay, parenthetically, I think the initiative process is a terrible idea. I don't like it at all. But there's some points I, rare, I, I, I don't think I've ever signed another petition, but there's points at which there's nothing left to do. So I signed these petitions. One of them, initiative petition 18, they've, they've dropped for now. They're going to introduce that in the legislature. But 17 is still being, still gathering signatures for the ballot. So um, I encourage you to consider signing it. Look around. Look around on panorama setting to see what you can do. Remember that we don't have to do it all. It's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to become disillusioned. But we trust uh, with as much faith as we can muster that the spirit is working in, around, among, and through us. I often recall a saying that comes from the Talmud, which is a, a Jewish book. It's a Jewish guide for living. And it translates from the Hebrew something like, it is not your duty to finish the work but neither are you at liberty to neglect it. It's not your duty to finish the work, but you aren't at liberty to neglect it. So take a deep breath. Breathe in the spirit of God. Let the spirit fill you with more love and more joy and more peace and more patience and more kindness, more generosity than we can gin up on our own. And look around, look around on portrait setting, on panorama setting. Look all around you. Amen.